Numbers 13, verse 33. We're kicking off a series called I Am Today, and I'll explain a little bit later on uh, exactly why and what that is all about. But in Numbers chapter 13, we find the children of Israel having been delivered from slavery in Egypt. They'd lived in in, uh, the wilderness for a small amount of time. They'd received the Ten Commandments. God had done miracle after miracle for them. He got them through the Red Sea. Uh, He'd done the Ten plagues of Egypt. He'd, he'd sent quail from heaven. Uh, water had come out of rock. Like God had done so many miracles, manna from heaven every day. And so he was, they were experiencing probably like no other generation, the miraculous power of God. And they got to the edge of the promised land where God was bringing them to their, to their promised land. And they sent in uh, 12 spies to check out the promised land. And they came back and they said, the promised land's amazing. The fruit is enormous. Uh, they came back, and, but they also said that, that, that although the fruit's awesome, the land's incredible, there's these giants. And we find it in Numbers chapter 13, verse 33. There we saw, this is their report, there we saw the giants... Not the GWS giants, because they would not intimidate anybody right now. There we saw the giants. The descendants of Anak came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. We were like grasshoppers. Any Karate Kid fans in the house today? Mr. Miyagi. Ah, grasshopper. Grasshopper. Okay. All right, all five of us, that's awesome. We'll just keep moving on. Melbourne, I know you're with me right now with the grasshoppers. We were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. Well, here's a couple of things. One is a self-perception. It's like, well, the way we see ourselves is we're so small compared to them. We don't know why they had a grasshopper mentality. And I believe lots of Christians have grasshopper mentalities. God's got all these promises for us. He's miraculous. He's incredible. But somehow it's not our faith in God. It's the way we see ourselves that stops us going into our promised land. And so I don't know exactly why, possibly because they'd been slaves for, for many, many years and been bossed around by Egyptian slaves. Uh, by Egyptian masters, maybe that sort of did something in their soul, in their, the way they saw themselves, and so they were already, always bowing down and always subservient and, and always, and so somehow they developed a, an inferiority complex, a unworthy complex, a, a way of thinking about themselves that they were insignificant, that they were, uh, that they were unqualified to take their promised land. And so when they get to the very edge of where God wants to take them, and he's made it very clear, promise after promise, I'm giving you this promised land. I've prepared it for you. I've promised it to your father, this is your promised land. But when they got to the edge, God wasn't even asking, uh, you know, can you do it? He was just going, go and check it out. So come back and inspire everyone with how amazing it is. And they came back with this report. We were like, when we saw them, we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And then it goes on and says, not just were we like grasshoppers in their own own sight. It says, and so we were in their sight. Now we're getting ridiculous. 
Because I'm, I'm telling you, none of them chatted to the giants and said, how do you see us? So now we've moved from a, a self-perception statement to a projection to onto somebody else of how they see us. And this is what an inferiority complex, an intimidation mindset will do to us. We will perceive ourselves a certain way and out of the perception that we have of ourselves, we will start to think everybody else thinks that about me. That's the pain and the torment of an inferiority complex or somebody who doesn't understand who God's created us to be. And now I'm looking at everybody else through this inferiority eyes thinking, you know, it's like you walk into a party and people are laughing. And if you've got the wrong mindset, why are they laughing at me? They're not laughing at you. They heard one of Pastor John's jokes. They just, they just, they're just thinking how amazing he is. Okay, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a, the opposite of an inferiority complex. That's a deception complex, but that, that's okay. So, so we've, got, we've got this situation. And so I want to help us over this next series, and our preachers want to help us. How do we move from a grasshopper mindset as Christians? When God's got promises and blessings and favor and, and provision and miraculous healing and supernatural favor in every area of our life, blessing for your family, blessing for your children, blessing in your business, blessing in your coming and your going. The Bible says Jesus was cursed on the tree so that we might be blessed. God's got blessing after blessing for us. But so often we come to the edge of the blessing and it looks a little bit intimidating or the opposition looks too tough and we stop and we go oh but I am only a humble grasshopper <laughs> and you know what God hates that it rips you off it's called false humility and it's not understanding the way that Jesus has made you and I I remember when I first really began to understand the power of mindset and blockages and how it could block us experiencing the best, the best of God would be about the, the, the mid-90s. In the mid-90s, there was a move of God that, uh, that swept the earth in churches, uh, either the Pensacola Revival or the Toronto Blessing, if you're around in those days, and there was a move of God, not too dissimilar to what I believe in, in, is beginning to happen globally around the world in the sense of revival, the, the feeling of God's presence, the, the fire of God heating up like we can feel in our church and God's doing around the world, and so there was this move, and and I would, uh, uh, Danielle and I were fairly newly married and we'd have these altar calls and people get prayed for and I would come out the front and people would feel God, they'd shake, rattle and roll, they were like, they were having a, the time of their life and I just couldn't seem to experience God. I didn't know why. And, I, and I, it's like I had this blockage with me and experiencing the tangible presence of God. I had before different moments where my heart had been warmed and I'd sensed the, the love of God in worship, for example. But, but in these moments, I would tend to freeze up. Remember one day standing on the altar in that kind of moment with beside me, there's like three people on the floor laughing and there's another 15 on the floor over here having this great time. And here's John, who's just feels like I'm just standing there with nothing going on. And I'm like, God, what's going on? Is, is there sin in my life? It's Danielle's moment to say yes, obviously there was. 
But 28 years later, we've got it sorted, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, is there sin in my life? What's, what's going, am I, is there a blockage that's sin? And I'm, I'm trying, you know, going through this thing. And, and at that point, that was a bit of my mindset. If I really want to experience the love of God, I, I've just got to repent of everything I've done and everything I haven't done, and hopefully I'll be accepted. So we'll get to that a bit later. But I just remember a whisper coming to my heart, just a, a sense, you should begin to prophesy over yourself how God sees you. I'm like, okay. I'm waiting, you know, no one else is prophesying over me or praying over me. So I just began, I just began to go, God, I just thank you that... I'm in Jesus, and you said over Jesus, you're my beloved son in whom you're well pleased. And because I'm joined to Jesus and I'm your son, I'm going to say the same thing about me. God, I thank you that I am your son. I am loved by you, that you're pleased with me. And here's what began to happen. As I began to say those words, I just began to just get a touch and a sense of God's smile and presence. And I realized after a little while what was going on is I had a a, a blockage in my mindset and in my heart of how God saw me and how I saw myself that was limiting me from experiencing God. So what I began to do is every day I began to go to work on my mindset. And the way you go to work on your mindset is through the words that you say. Your mindset, your, the, the way, the patterns of your thinking have been created by the words that have been spoken over you by people of influence in your life and the experiences you've had and then have been reinforced with your self-talk. That inner voice, inner critic for many of us, has reinforced a particular self-image that we have and therefore, I mean, parents, this is our job to create confident children through speaking life and, and not, not without discipline, but confident children through speaking life and affirmation over our children. So if, you're, if your parents did that with you, you've got a massive head start. That's the job of the church community, to speak life and affirmation over people so that people, I'm going to that church this week because that's the only place that someone says something nice to me because I'm starved for it. So it's our job to create that. But so for me, I, I had to go to work. I am loved by God. And so every morning, and I, I would say for the last 30 years, there's been some kind of declaration that I've made over my life where I've realized that I have a deficiency of mindset that doesn't line up with the word. And I'll usually, in my quiet time of prayer time, take two to three, four, five minutes every morning to speak something out. So for a number of years, I would just close my eyes and just go, Father, I thank you that I am your son and you're well pleased with me. Father, I thank you that I am your son and you're delighted with me. And I would, I would get a picture of, you know, God as a father hugging me as a little boy or God walking with me, uh, you know, down by riverbanks where I grew up or, or God sitting across having a coffee with me. And so with that picture and these words, I began to, in the fourth dimension reality, we talked about create a new mindset. And after a little while, it just became quite... Now, that's a well that I've dug about my, my place as a son of God and his love for me. And, and once that opened up, my ability to experience God's love, the tangible presence of God changed because the, my mindset, which was blocking, changed. 
take another five years after that, and we became the senior pastors of this church in the year 2000, 29, 27. And I, I had a complete grasshopper mindset as the senior pastor of this church. I would, uh, and you know, part of my own story, I grew up in a fantastic Christian home with parents who loved me. Uh, and were a great example of sacrificial faith and following Christ and give, laying your life down for Christ, but, but not, not really. They're of a particular generation that, that, that didn't really reinforce love, didn't say things like, I love you or I'm proud of you. And, and most of the emphasis was, let's try, not, try to keep you humble. And as much as that is part of what I need is in my personality, uh, I really needed affirmation. I needed words of affirmation. And so I got to a stage in my life where I realized I got bullied in high school a little bit because the void of that affirmation in my soul created inferiority complex and self-doubt. So fast forward, and God's done a little bit of work in my heart, but we become the pastors of this church. And I'm, I'm now comparing myself to everybody and feeling completely inferior and thinking everybody sees me as, the, as inferior. That's my own mindset of myself. Now, that may not have been the case, or that may have been the case, I don't know, but, it, but it, I realized I've got to go to work on that part of my brain, or I'm going to get stuck in one spot here of feeling inferior and never fulfilling what God's got me to do. And so we've got mentors around our life and people helping us. But I read Joshua, Joshua chapter 1. It's like a, uh, the next generation pastor from Moses. And God's instruction was, uh, wasn't be holy. It was be bold, be strong, and be courageous. Holiness had been embedded into him in his upbringing. So what he needed now is not to double down on holiness. He needed to keep that. But what he needed to do was double down on confidence and boldness and courage. Be bold. And so I changed my new mantra, and my new mantra began to be, I am bold, I am strong, I am courageous. And I'd say for about two years, that would be my, that little part of my prayer life, I would have a confession, I'm bold, I'm strong, I'm courageous. And when I started to say it, I felt like an absolute liar. But after a little while, those words, because they're Scripture, and powerful began to go to work. And this is what the Bible says. The Word of God, Hebrews, is powerful, able to divide between flesh and spirit, between spirit and soul. And so soul doubts are dropping off. My spirit's getting strong. And I'm starting bit by bit to believe. And I'm being, here's what's happening. Romans 12 verse 2 says this. Uh, you don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your, of your mind. Let me read it in the NLT. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll be able to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. God's got all these beautiful doors He wants to open for you. He's got this great future for you. But if you've got a grasshopper mindset, if you see yourself as inferior, unqualified, if you've got these lies that have been embedded into your mind, then it doesn't matter how amazing God's promises are for you, you will not be able to fight for them because of this inner voice that tells you you don't have what it takes. So the, 
This, this became part of my, basically the Joshua uh, declaration became one of mine. And then I read Timothy where it says 2 Timothy 1.7, for God hasn't given you a spirit of intimidation, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So I just created two uh, declarations. I am declarations. I am bold, strong, and courageous. And the next one is I'm filled with love. I'm filled with power, and I have a sound mind. This is my... now. Okay, some of you are like, oh, is this, is this like the power of positive confession? I want to help you in the Word of God understand how God wants to transform you so that you can walk into everything that He's got for you. Because you don't want to be someone who God goes, oh, I gave all these promises to them, but their faith wasn't there because of their self-perception. You can go back to the wilderness and spend the rest of your life living in the wilderness. I don't want to be that Christian. Anyone else? Turn to your neighbor and say, I don't want to be that person. So I began to understand something then about the nature of God and how God wants you and I to be. I believe God wants you and I to be absolutely confident people. Not just self-reliant confident people, but confident blended with humility, understanding who God is and who He's called you and me to be. I believe he wants us to have not a false humility, not people who sit back and, and, and just and, and can't experience the blessing of God, but confident people. And then you begin to understand something about the nature of God. Because you and I are created in his image. All right, we're made in his image. Now, the devil's tried to erode that. So when Adam and Eve first sinned, one of the first things it says is they suddenly became aware of their issues, they became aware they were naked. And so suddenly they became self-conscious. The entrance of sin into the world has created a whole lot of people who are self-conscious, worried about me and how you perceive me and all my shortcomings and all my flaws. That's, that's the way the enemy wants us to live. Now, self-awareness is good, but living with being overly self-conscious is just going to rob you. You're just going to like, oh, I'm a grasshopper. What can I do? I can't do that. I can't step into that. I can't, I can't take that job. I, I can't experience that blessing. I don't deserve it. I'm not good enough, whatever that lie is. That's why God wants, that's why when we understand that there's a restoration process going on in our life, when we get born again, God begins to restore us. One of the core things he's going to restore is us into the image of God. Well, what's God's name? His name's I am. Moses gets called by God, says, you're going, to go back into, you're going to go back into Egypt and call them out. And he goes, oh, well, who should I tell them you are, God? Because they've got all these different gods. Which one are you? And God says, let's, let's look at this in Exodus 3, verse 13. Moses said to, to, to God, suppose I go to the Israelites, say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me. And they ask me, well, what's his name? And what should I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. Sounds a bit like Popeye, really, doesn't it? I is who I is. But anyway, Popeye, again, I feel like I'm aging myself too much these days. God said to Moses, I am who I am. God, so this is what, so I am, I am. This is what you were to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God, in all of his confidence of who he is, he's like, I'm, I am. That's who I am. I am. And then he, goes, then he introduces himself in different settings according to what they need. I am the God who heals you. I am the God who provides for you. 
I am your banner over you, God. His name starts with I am. This is, this is now God wants to restore you and me into his image because we've been fallen and it's been corrupted through sin. So when we get born again, he wants to recreate us back into his image and it starts with a confidence to say, I am, blah, blah, blah. Jesus rocks up. John unfolds about Jesus seven statements. Jesus has I am statements. Seven I am statements. Why? Because he's, he is God on earth. And so that when they're trying to work out who he is, he's like, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I'm the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. I don't know if Jesus in his prayer life had some declarations just to be really confident and secure because the enemy was trying to rob him, but he's got I am statements. And he's not afraid to say them to the world. This is who I am. All right, so this, that's your theological basis for him. So this is then the way that God is going to transform you and I. He, he's, it won't, there will be, the first moment of transformation is through salvation. You get born again. If you're here today and you're in this service and you've never connected with God, you're sitting in Melbourne or watching online, you've never connected with God and you're not born again, then today's the day to connect with God and you become a new creation. You become a child of God. There's a miracle that happens in that moment. But then the ongoing transformation happens as you get strong in your spirit. God goes to work on your heart. We get healthy in our heart. We forgive people. We cry a bit. We let the pain out. God gets our heart healthy and, sw and sweet. And the way that ongoing transformation happens is He renews our mind. As we read the Word, we hear the Word preached, but one of the most powerful ways of the renewing of your mind is with your confession. Your confession. So, so here's, that's what the Bible says. Now, now here's, here's the fascinating thing. For many years, years ago, God said, I want you to be transformed. How? When your mind gets renewed. Your mind, can, your mind has been established to think a certain way through what's been spoken and your experiences. If you're going to renew it, you need to begin to speak a different way. I love this. Pastor Phil says that your mind is like a computer program. Your tongue is the keyboard. If you want to reprogram your mind, you have to speak it. Now, this, this is biblical for centuries, but in the uh, mid-1900s, last, last decade, science began to catch up with the idea of what's called neuroplasticity. That idea is that your brain is not set, but it's, it's like plastic and it keeps evolving. And neural pathways, which are the, the, literally the patterns of which your thoughts go down, those neural pathways can either be recreated or, or transformed through particular uh, habits and ways of doing things. So your brain can literally be rewired. So they've done tests like, for example, someone who didn't know how to juggle, learned how to juggle spent months learning how to juggle, and then they did a brain photo before and a brain photo afterwards, and the brain photo afterwards, because there's a new skill being learned, there's actually more gray matter and more pathways. Why? Because someone began to practice something new and develop a new skill, and, and different messages are coming from... So this is what uh, psychology calls cognitive therapy. So, so psychology is caught up with what the Bible tells us, and this is the idea that your thoughts can be reprogrammed, and then your thoughts and your emotions are all connected, and your behavior, and you can transform your behavior and your emotions by going to work on your thoughts. 
a 2014 meta-analysis of 269 studies published and combined together in the Journal of, Con of Consulting and Clinical Psychology found that cognitive behavioural therapy, what I've just been talking about, is effective in treating a range of mental health conditions including anxiety, depression and post-traumatic stress disorder. Another study in the Journal of Social and Clinical Psychology found that using self-affirmations can improve mood, increase self-esteem, and reduce symptoms of anxiety and depression. The researchers suggest that these effects may be due to the impact of self-affirmations on neural pathways associated with self-worth and positive emotions. Science is catching up of what the Bible's always said, Jeremiah, God calls him to be a prophet to the nations. And he goes, I'm too young. And God says, don't say, I am too young. Stop your confession because your confession will create a mindset. A mindset will be energized by demons if it's going to pull us away from God and it becomes a stronghold. And a stronghold will make you see yourself the way the devil wants you to see yourself, not the way God wants you to see yourself. So he wants you to break the power of the lies that you and I believe right now. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, really quickly put up just some lies. So we used this a few years ago in the inti Breaking Intimidation series. Just take a photo if you want to take a photo because part of the way you get free from a grasshopper mindset is realizing the, the lies that we already believe. I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm not good enough, I'm not educated enough, I'm unworthy, I'm unlovable, I'm not smart enough, I'm a second class Christian, I'm rejected, I'm a failure because of my past failures. Now, somewhere, you might not speak that out, but sometimes you and I hit an obstacle and this thing from both our heart and our mind pops to the surface and we lose courage. Why? Because we've got a pre-programmed mindset about ourselves. It's a grasshopper mindset, and we're not going to go and take our promised land with a grasshopper mindset. So the first thing to do, we can take that down. You've got to recognize the lies. You've got to repent of believing the lies. So, oh, that's not God. That's not who God says I am. You've got to release anybody who's, who's actually caused you to believe those lies. Often the lie we believe ourselves is because of something negative experience or trauma or words that have been spoken. So we've got to forgive people. We're going to come against the devil and bind the devil. But this, is, this series is mo not so much about those three things, but it's about the renewing of your mind. Let me just give you a sample. Okay, just one sample as we bring this to a close. Let's say, like me, you grew up in a, a religious kind of household. And like, and mine was good Christian, but I spent a, a number of years in a legalistic church. So if you spend time in a legalistic church or a religious church, then you might not be particularly self-conscious, but you might be quite sin-conscious. And when you come to pray to God, at the very forefront of your mind is, I don't measure up. I'm not quite good enough. I don't, God is not going to be happy with me until I've completely confessed all of my sins. And even then, He's down on me. So your mindset has been created often through upbringing, often through religious experience, and particularly a legalistic perspective. What you, what you then need to realize is that's not actually, when you got born again, that's not how God sees you. 
When you got born again, you became a new creation. You became paired with Jesus. The righteousness of Jesus, the Bible says, has been imputed to you. The blood of Jesus has cleansed you from all your sin, past, present, and future. So that when you come before God, you don't need to crawl into His presence confessing all your sins, hoping that eventually you'll hit like the confession enough to that God will then start kind of going, okay, come on into my presence. That's a religious mindset. So what you need to do, maybe for a couple of years, and I did this for a couple of years, I realized that I was living under condemnation, particularly when I started to pray and guilt would be my dominating thought. I realized I've got to rewire my mind about how God sees me according to my new creation reality. So here's some, here's, here's some just for that person. Let's put these, the, the I am's for the, uh, yeah, these ones. Here we are, I am statement. So this, this is just a test run. If you've got, kind of got that legalistic struggle with guilt, struggle with shame kind of mindset. And just because you're taking a photo with your phone doesn't mean that's your struggle. It's for a friend, I know. So I've just got scriptures, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. So it's good to learn the scriptures, but then make them I am. I am a new creation in Jesus Christ. Uh, Romans 3 verse 22, I'm right with God through my faith in Jesus Christ. So God make, uh, the, the scripture tells me God makes me right with Christ. I am right with God. God's good with me. I am holy and blameless because of Jesus. Colossians 1 verse 22. I am right now holy and blameless. I'm becoming scripture conscious, not sin conscious. I'm shifting my dish across to who God has made me. I am righteous. I, oh, I love this one. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that he who became sin, uh, he who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's such a strong statement to say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am. I am, I am unstoppable in the presence of God. Because of Jesus, I am the righteousness. I love that. You can tell I've said that 50,000 times. I am cleansed by the blood of Jesus through the confession of my sin. If I confess, if I confess it once, I'm cleansed. I don't have to live under shame and keep going and going and going. Now I've got to stand on that scripture and confess it and reprogram my mind so that the devil's not, oh yeah, but what about that thing you did? What about that thing that happened? What about back in 1993? What about, what about that divorce that happened? What about that thing that happened? You're like, no, I'm, I'm cleansed. Romans 8 verse 1, I am not condemned because I am in Christ. I am not condemned. And when you go to work on just, that's just one part of your mindset. You go to work on your mindset. Understand who you really are in Christ. You'll grow a few inches. Oh, all right. So you want that, Marita? That's awesome. <laughs> I won't say all money back guarantee. <laughs> In your inner spirit, man or woman, you will grow a few inches. You'll get strong. You're confident. Not because you get into some self-confessions. I'm awesome, I'm awesome, I'm awesome. That wouldn't hurt. But some scripture confessions of who God says I am, who my identity is, you become unstoppable. Does that help anybody today? I am. So this is what we're going to do over the next uh, few months. We're gonna, uh, next few months, next few weeks. However, okay, glad I said that. The point of this is a 40-day challenge. 
A lot of the research says it takes about six weeks to create a new neural pathway. So hearing this message did not create your neural pathway. It gave you the tools. Ah, word of God. Ah, word of God in your mouth. Speak the word of God. 40 days, just two or three minutes a day. Then you'll find yourself throughout the day, I am strong, I am bold, I am courageous, I'm cleansed by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. I am the righteousness of God. Stop coming at me with shame. Stop coming at me. Why? Why? Because the Word of God. I don't need you to lay your hands on me to tell me that I'm forgiven. I've created a new mindset that I'm forgiven according to the Word of God. All right, 40-day challenge. Give me a wave if you're up for a 40-day challenge. Who needs, some brain, who needs some new neural pathways? Melbourne, give me a wave. Okay, awesome. New pathways. You can create your own and go for it. I'm going to hand back to Tobias in Melbourne. God bless you guys. It's been great having you with us. Right now, right in this room, I want you to close your eyes. I said a little earlier that the beginning process of transformation, the beginning process of us making the change in our life that we need is when we become born again. We get right with God. I don't know what's brought you to church today or who brought you, why you're watching online, but if you're not in a relationship with God right now, I want you to know you're created to be in a relationship that is powerful, personal, and life-giving. God loves you unconditionally. Doesn't matter what you've done, He loves you. And today His arms are wide open and there is an invitation for you to begin a relationship with Him. And if you've never done that in a moment, I'm just going to ask you in your seat to put your hand up when I give the opportunity, the invitation. And the invitation is to pray a prayer with me and all of us from your seat today saying, I want to get right with God. I want God, I want His forgiveness in my life. And if that's you, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I want to begin a relationship with God. And we'll pray a prayer together. Maybe you've once walked with God, once had a relationship with God. But you drifted away, got distracted. And somehow, instead of being the center of your life, Jesus just became someone that you're aware of, you might talk to every now and then, but he's not the center of your life. Today, you need to come back and get right with him. If that's you, in a moment, when I ask, I want you to raise your hand. Or if you're here this morning and you're not sure when you die, if you're going to go to heaven. You hope you are, but you're not sure. I would love to pray with you so that the peace of God can fill your heart. You can have a confidence that you'll spend eternity with Him in heaven. So right across this room, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You want to get right with God today. You want to begin a relationship with Him. If you want to come back to Him, or you want to be sure you're going to heaven, would you just raise your hand right now and say, that's me. I want to connect with God. Wherever you are, just raise it up real high. We're going to lead you in a prayer. Thank you. I see your hand. That's awesome. You can put it down. Who else today? Maybe you're watching online. This is your moment to connect with God or to reconnect with God. He loves you so much. So much. You're like, do I have to understand everything? No. It's a, there's like a step of faith. It's just a step towards God saying, God, 
I want this relationship with you. Something's missing in my life. I want to get right with you. I want to receive the forgiveness that Jesus paid for. One more moment. I'm going to look around the room saying, if that's you as well, you want to get right with God, would you raise your hand up and say, that's me as well. And we'll include you in this prayer. We're going to pray all together in a moment. Just raise it up real high if that's you. Fantastic. All right, let's pray together. Everybody, for the lady, you raised your hand. This is your moment to talk to God. I'll give you the words, but just see Him. Talk to Him. We're all going to join with you. Say this after me. Dear God in heaven, I thank you that you love me, that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for my sin in my place. I'm sorry I've lived my way, and I'm turning to you to follow you with all my heart. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, the power of God. I thank you today that I am forgiven. I am born again. I'm going to heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Come on, church, put your hands together. God bless you. Fantastic. Can't wait to go on this I Am journey with you all. Thank you so much.